to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. This is one, Corey, that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and yeah. I know the reason why people are clicking on this episode is not uh, to hear us talk, potentially, uh, because probably, probably. Yep. Josh Brockman is on uh, here later, and it's very good. If you're in the show pig business, you're going to love it. If you're not, take some notes, because the mm-hmm. way he's sorting females is interesting. So more on very that later. Very much so. Yes, very much so. Um, so, Trevor, we had uh, had a good week. We... Um, we got to hang out, as people know. Yes, uh, as last week episodes uh, was was aired, but uh, got a chance to go to Kiwani, Illinois, this yeah. past weekend, our old stomping grounds, uh, to celebrate fifty years of Dan Hogue in education, um, and about forty eight of those years were spent at Blackhawk East. Wow! So. Um, Man, what a cool event! They honored some some absolute livestock legends um, from, that that went through Blackhawk that support Blackhawk. Uh, Gary Dameron, mm. uh, Dameron Angus. If nobody has heard of that before, um, probably living under a rock. Chad Holtkamp uh, was another one, and then um, none other than Indiana high school coaching legend, and also. Some, some what in Illinois, uh, Mr. Roger Carr. Oh, yeah. All got inducted to the Livestock uh, Hall of Fame uh, for, at Blackhawk. And, and of course, Dan Hogue's retirement was was funny and um, w- fun. And I say funny because there was, they had uh, Gary Dameron go up and tell some stories. And he, he led off with, uh, I was informed before I got up here that this is not a roast of Dan Hogue. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish that it was because I would have loved to hear some you, stories that Gary would you tell. You know, I've been big on, I love comedy. Uh, yeah. A big comedy podcast guy, so on and so forth. And I've been I've been into the roast lately, like uh, watching comedy roasts of, of years past. And I thought, what if we had a livestock roast? That would that would be interesting. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we could sure sell tickets to it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You just have... The livestock industry is an industry of um, gentlemen and gentle ladies and professionalism and, you know, that kind of thing. But I think there's a select group that would really enjoy some good roast comedy. I think that could get really fun. So... Uh, uh, No no question. There's... who, Who would you get to host it? Oh man, I don't know. There's, there, I can think of a handful. Yeah, just get them all up on a stage together. Get like fifteen people. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, and really, you, really, you do it to ho- to roast one person, but they all roast each other. Yeah, in the process. that's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. they all kind of yeah. get after each other, and then the roast, the one that's get roasted, is at the end, kind of gets revenge. Um, right. You know, Walton would be there. We'd have to get it televised by Walton. Um, yeah. Yeah. If anybody out there has any ideas on pulling this together, we uh, we sure would appreciate it. That would that would be awesome. This, <laughs> maybe something in the winter time when we're kind of in a, a maybe a window of calving or lambing or pigging or yeah. Which good luck finding that window, but yeah, 
speaking of Walton, um, I was on Walton. I watched Walton. A lot of Walton happening uh, this past week. Watched the uh, State Fair Breeding Grand Drive at the Ohio State Fair, which is the first time they've done that. They model it after uh, kind of what Indiana's been doing, uh, kind yep. of OYE-esque, which is very cool. It's very well run, well organized. Um, the Ohio Farm Bureau did sponsor it alongside Nationwide, so that was kind of cool. I actually had several meetings uh, with that group to kind of discuss what they should do about it. So kind of neat to see uh, my employer co- um, combining with my um, off hours passion, if you will. So that was kind of cool, but going back to the Walton thing, um, make sure you subscribe to the archives because a lot of shows are happening. And if you missed it, that's your chance to go back and watch the whole thing all over again. Uh, they've got rodeos, so on and so forth. So make sure you sign up, um, on waltonwebcasting.com and get to the archives and all the other fun stuff that they have. Follow them on Facebook and social media. It's always kind of fun to see where they go to eat. You know, like the, the Ohio crew, I think was at yeah. City Barbecue, and the Tulsa crew is at another place. So they kind of do a good job of keeping us all informed. Yeah, there's uh, there there's lots of lots of interesting things that Walton does. But you know, uh, Ohio State Fair going on right now. Walton's there. Yep. Walton's at the Indiana State Fair. Yep. Lots of lots of moving parts and pieces happening on the state fair scene. We're approaching August. Maybe maybe you know we did a county fair episode. We should probably think about doing a state fair we episode should probably too. Do a state, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, well, in my holy buckets moment, we'll talk more about it. But you know, we we talked about county fairs that need improvements. But um, I was just at Elkhart County, Indiana, and yeah. they are a magnificent group of people that really do an excellent job of running their county fair. I mean, a yeah. lot, lot of lot of people, I think they said 20,000 people a day go through the gates there. Yep. And it's it's a huge fairgrounds, but specifically in the livestock barns, it seemed very organized, uh, never waited on a class. There's a ton of volunteers to help. Um, super, super good. I mean, I I thought it was, I was great. So shout out to those folks there at Elkhart County. Those who do it well, need more recognition and probably what they're getting. So yeah. Um, fun fact about the ouch Elkhart County fair. Sorry. I just whacked. What just my, happened? Uh, I just, Oh, my, uh, my elbow slipped off my chair and I, Oh yeah. I, yeah. Funny bone. All right. Um, okay. Well, so fun fact about the Elkhart County fair, it is one of the largest ticketed events in the state of Indiana. You think about the ticketed events that happen in the state of Indiana, you're talking, um nfl football you're talking indy 500 uh you're talking um what are some other big t- the indiana state fair i yeah. mean you know one of the largest ticketed events that's crazy. in the state of indiana is the elkhart county fair uh concerts yeah they had uh there are concerts in there kinds of concerts plus like side stages going on like yeah. that, that was, was incredible. It was a good time, yeah. but yep, very uh, much so. When we get into our holy buckets moment, I'll have to I'll touch on that a little bit. Just it was kind of fun. Um, well, one of the things I I I heard you mention is you know how some of these county fairs maybe could use some um, assistance. Yes, maybe it's with gates or maybe you're trying to buy a county fair project. You're not sure where to get them. You maybe maybe some of these county fairs could get online to a website called showpig.com and buy some gates from these yeah. people that are having equipment sales 
or possibly even find ways for people to buy their show pig projects because where else are you going to buy them besides off the farm if you're not going to go to showpig.com maybe you you could buy from a breeder you've always wanted to interact with but you you don't live close enough or maybe you, you're not sure about starting the relationship or how to start it well showpig.com is an incredible resource that has opportunities for you to go online. There's breeders directories. There's mm-hmm. ways to chat uh, with their staff and get to know who these breeders are and um, work with them as well. So I would say, why not go over to the place that does it all and has been doing it the longest. That's right. And that is showpig.com. They're the innovators. They're the, the just, I, I don't know what else to say, Trev. Yeah. They're the ones. Incredible. You got to go to. They're the ones. Showpig.com. I love it. Uh, sounds like you got a fussy baby back there. Poor Mabes. She is uh, maybe not fussy, but she is talking. Oh, in the background. Oh, yeah, well, she uh, really she's one one to get on the podcast. Is oh, really wow. One of these yeah, days. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When when she gets beyond doing the uh, things that she's doing currently. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that'd be a one heck of a segment. Yeah. Uh, boy, oh boy. Let's do our holy buckets moment. And then we're going to get into our breeding ship and show them this week. Um, I'll, I'm, I will tell you, it, it, it goes back to Elkhart County. Really enjoyed it uh, last week. Um, it was televised by Walton. So um, I enjoyed that. The family got to tune in. I don't do very many shows now anymore. Uh, so they, they kind of like to see what I'm doing. But anyways, my holy buckets moment um, was just kind of, it, it's very, general one this this week um i get pretty passionate on my on my final drive and looking at the hogs and talking about the young people and (laughs) i i kind of uh just wanted to to do something different something exciting for these kids and uh i just watched the bohemian movie uh the queen movie that uh is bohemian rhapsody yeah, yeah bohemian rhapsody so uh, I thought, you know, what would be really cool is if I can incorporate like the We Will Rock You in the Grand Drive somehow. So like that was my challenge to myself. So uh, I had everybody stand on their feet and do like the boom, boom, clap. And it was really oh, little stomp, stomp, clap. Yeah, stomp, stomp, clap. And like th- while I was out there trying to find the one I, I was going to pick, they were doing it the whole time. So I was like, holy buckets. This makes me want to run through a brick wall. Here we go. But uh, no, I, I thought that was that was a cool environment. Um, but another shout out to Elkhart. The, the looked a little different this year. You judged it last year, Corey, but the, the stands were absolutely packed. Uh, there wasn't uh, an empty seat anywhere. People hanging from the rafters and uh, that was that was an incredible environment very well run show um i don't know if you got the chance to stay in the airbnb probably not because you were pretty close no yeah no i uh when i judged that show i because i judged it on during the COVID year so i had uh i did the bears and the guilds all one day wowza and uh yeah i didn't stay well i they treated me like a king because there's this Airbnb that they put all the judges up in, or at least the hog judges. And I'm telling you what, like jacuzzi in the corner, walk-in oh, shower, man. bed was super comfortable. And you know what's nice is like I got in kind of late the night before, and sometimes when you go to like a hotel, there's doors slamming, there's 
oh, you know, yeah. a cranky People teller at the, the desk and kids screaming and and you just don't get the night's sleep that maybe you wish you would have. Well, at this Airbnb, it was like, oh man, I could have just stayed and said, hey, let's push this show back a couple hours. I need to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. You almost don't want to leave at that point. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyway, that was my Holy Bucks moment. Good time. Really enjoyed it. Well, I don't know that I really had a Holy Buckets moment this week, but I will tell you what. Uh, a lot of people know that when we record these, uh, we Trevor and I do have video on. Holy Buckets, what did you punch with your right hand? <laughs> oh, this was the talk of the town. Yeah, we should re- we should video yeah. record this. Okay, so so up until this point, and we have already recorded with Brockman. I did not realize <laughs> he's probably like Trevor what? lift his fist up and it looked like he got in a fight with a brick wall. Yeah. So what, what I did didn't tell you about Holy Elkhart buckets. County was this some, some dude came up and told me about how terrible of a job I was doing and how I wasn't picking the right ones and I suck. And so I told him what I thought with my fist. Nice. <laughs> about, time, about time somebody just stood up for them with violence. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> just kidding. So, uh, as we know, um, I posted a thing on Facebook where I finally got the pins installed. I actually got gilts in the bar now. So what happened was I was bolting the gates to the concrete. And yep. for those of you who have used wedge lag bolts, you hammer them in, you drill a hole in the concrete, you hammer them in, they wedge in there really, really tight, put the gate on there, and then put a lock nut over top of it. Well, on the last couple cranks, I really wanted to get it down there tight, so I decided to, you know, really get after it, and it kind of slipped off and just wrecked, racked my knuckles clear across the concrete. This is not smooth concrete, by the way. Hey. So now it looks like, uh, yeah, I had a discussion with somebody's face that met my fist, but my yeah. wife uh, was very worried that I would, I was this happened before before the show at Elkhart, and she was like, please tell the group there that I'm okay, that you're, <laughs> you're, not, you're not a woman abuser. Yeah. Or a, <laughs> so, holy cow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, holy buckets. That's what you meant. Yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. That's uh, So that's my holy buckets <laughs> moment was <laughs> when you lifted your hand up on the screen for the first time since we've been talking. I saw that and I was like, yeah, it kind of mm-hmm. hurts because every time I move my fingers, it's yeah, yeah. not pleasant. You're, they're in a bad spot too. They're all on the knuckles. And yeah, like those are the those are the places that you have joints to where they bend. So I'm sorry. I mean, what six you, of the the eight main knuckles I have on my big fingers? Obviously, my thumb didn't get touched. But yeah. well, positive positive thing is is you got your gates in. I did, and so, they're occupied, and I like yeah. it. Big things coming. Here we go. Big, big things. That's good. Okay. Um, what next? Can we do can we do Tanner's Tales next? Yes. All right. Uh before we hit play, just turn your volume down just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Is that your hit warning? Play. Is that That's your warning. warning to the All right. Well, here we go. Hey, talk talk. Uh Tanner Edge here. Um got another joke for you guys. I hope y'all like it. Um, what do mermaids wash their fins with? Tide. Tide. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everybody uh, 
is enjoying the episode and uh, you learn a lot from it. Yeah, you know, have a laugh or two and uh, uh, have a good rest of your week. I'll talk at you guys later. This was truly a Tanner's Tales. This time. It, it it was what a goober. Uh, <laughs> Tied. <laughs> Tied. Uh, Who knew that we were going to hear a mermaid joke on the podcast at this point? But hey, um, I I you have a dad joke that you told when you were here that was livestock related, and it would have worked perfectly last week. Y- yes, it. Do you okay. remember it? I remember it. Okay. Um, do we want to wait till we get to that part of our episode? We can or do that. Want... Well, I don't know. I think we're in a joke mood. Hit us with it. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, Trevor, what do you do if you miss a call from your feed rep? I don't know. What do you do? Call Mock. <laughs> I love it. Super uh, cheesy. Levi Richards needs to use that on uh, his marketing material from here on out for Kalmbach Peds. I love it. Uh, True dad joke. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad we're uh, lightening the mood because got to tell you what, um, the Breed'em Ship'em Show'em this week is, oh, my gosh, we got Mabry on the screen. Mabry's on the pod. Oh. Uh, But I'm telling you what, this Breed'em Ship'em Show'em is not easy. Um, we've kind of talked about this in the past where if you start getting legend sires, uh, it doesn't make any sense of shipping any of them. So this one's interesting though. I appreciate, uh, the, the caller that called in here. Um, however, we are running out of breed them, ship them, show them that are being called in. So get creative folks, send them in. Yeah. Uh, I thought we had a lot more, but they're, some that uh, either lost service that we have duplicates of. So it looks like we have more than what we actually do. Um, so the phone number is 234-320-0457. Again, 234-320-0457. Save us in your phone so I don't have to keep saying this. But, folks, this one's a heater. Let's see what we got for this week's Freedom Ship em Show. Corey and Trevor, this is Brian Reeson from Ohio. I really enjoy listening to the podcast. Um, my quick shout out is to my RF genetic team and, um, Paul and Kenley, um, uh, show pigs, shout out to John Frank and all the kids that show for us. Um, my bread and breed and ship them show them is I'm going to go with some legends here in the hog industry. And, uh, one is going to be loud mouth. The next one's going to be super monster. And the final one's going to be pistol Pete. Um, whether you breed them, that's they're kind of irrelevant. You're going to win with all that. Um, the show you might get a little bit there, but I really want to intrigued on where you guys, what hog, what legend are you going to ship? Thanks. Bye. So here we go. Yeah. Yet uh, again. Did, I liked Mabry's little sneezes in there. Those were, <laughs> those were pretty cute. We, we did. We had to feature her on an episode. So yeah. here it is. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a tough one, huh? Yeah. Oh, man, I hate these. Um, Brian, thanks for sending this in, though, uh, because the reason we hate it is it's a good one, uh, and you're right. Uh, it's relevant which one you breed because they're all good, and you're going to be sitting pretty no matter which boar you breed. Uh, but he's intrigued more about which one we're shipping, uh, which I think people just like to hear us sound really stupid. 
right. is what it amounts to. However, uh, we can fight through this because last week, funny enough, we uh, are talking to uh, Brockman, who we all know has a little bit something to do with cruel intentions <laughs> that we talked about last Just, week. Yeah, minor, minor, minor things. All right, loudmouth, uh, super monster, pistol Pete, Corey Edge. What are you doing? Well, okay, here's how I'm going to logic this out. Uh, Brian did say he was more interested to know which one you ship, so I'm going to save that for the, for the end. Okay. All right. I am breeding pistol. Mm-hmm. Changed the shopping industry as we know it. If you were in Jim McCoy's shoes, why wouldn't you? Right. Okay. Now, Loudmouth, as far as purebred sires are concerned, is one of the most influential purebred sires of all time. I would agree. That bore, though, at a show type conference, whatever. Looked the part. Incredible. Uh, cashing in probably on on loudmouth, probably trying to set a record. I'm shipping super monster. That's what I'm doing. And here's my logic: is when you throw in pistol as an option in that in that group, pistol completely changed the crossbred industry. Mm. Super monster was a large crossbred influence but his reign would not have existed if it weren't for for the path that was set by pistol so that's my logic and i don't think that i could ship loudmouth knowing what he has done for the purebred spot industry i mean he he pretty much took the spots and elevated them to a level that they wouldn't be at if it wasn't for him. It's spot on. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow. Okay. All right. I didn't think that's where you're headed with it. Um, 1000% agreances. You, you gotta, you gotta breed pistol. That's. And I'm not so sure that you, you gotta breed pistol. I would think the other option would be breed loudmouth, but. See, here's my thing with with if we can't ship him, he he changed the game. Now, like here's another thing is like are are they all in the same year? Like somehow we change time and like all these hogs are in existence and yeah, I think you just yeah, take within, it for what they are within their okay. So with that, in the time that pistol was around, people would be scared to death if that one entered the ring. They wouldn't know what mm-hmm. to do. It, if the mm-hmm. you know what the ring look like and all that good stuff may not even bring much at all because they're that scared of them but you would have the select few breeders that would be like wow what is that i want that next piece i think you stick with breeding pistol that's uh, in my mind the easy thing to do to cover your sows the interesting discussion is between super monster and loudmouth in my opinion i think you're you're less of a market with one purebred boar you're specific to only spots now you're also correct in the fact that that one is one of the more dominant purebred sires of all time all breeds i would even say yeah 
So I would love to see what Super Monster would look like in the show ring. I think he would bring a pile for that time, having way more extras than anything we've ever thought could. Loudmouth would bring a pile of money too. They all would, probably. But in my my justification is Loudmouth is almost too specific to what else you're going to breed him to other than the spot where maybe Super Monster you could breed Yorkshire if you needed to, pull in a Hampshire if you needed to, outcross a little bit. You've got more versatility there. Cash in on them. So I'm breeding Pistol, showing Super Monster, shipping Loudmouth. Whoa. Yeah. It's tough, you know, man of the year voting wasn't around when Super Monster was live. Yeah, see, that's another thing. And it was when Loudmouth was, and Loudmouth was a multi-time man of the year. Yeah. Um, Rightfully so. For the, for the spot breed. I, I don't, I mean, I can't even think how many years in a row it was. Um, but, you know, this, it is interesting. You know, you think of the influence that was left because of Super Monster. And because of how ahead of the time and curve he was in making crossbreds better. Yeah. Um, that is tough. I think I'll, I'll stick with mine, but I could see, I could see your logic too. And like pistol in the equation of those three almost makes him the only option to breed unless you don't like what pistol did. Well, and there's that, people out hey. there. There's people out there that don't. I mean, yeah. introduction of the stress gene and um, all those other things kind of came with it in a way. This um, is true. This is true. I mean, if so there could be people that say, no, ship pistol. Well, that's another we don't thing. Need him. Good point. Today, pistol might not be the answer compared to what things are looking like right now. Right. But how, and especially specifically in the crossbred side, how would, how would crossbreds have gotten to a point of oh, yeah. quality? if it wasn't for pistols influence true well that's muscle shape and you know all that what we've heard in jim mccoy's episodes wouldn't even happen right it's interesting all right yeah. brian nice one folks um please give us more get creative uh derek is way ahead in the race when it comes to creativity uh, yeah of of breed them ship and show them get creative go out in your barn look at your four animals or whatever, and just give us a scenario. One more time, the phone number, 234-320-0457. Folks, we've got a good one here in the Zoom call. Mr. Brockman, Corey Edge, do your thing. Well, uh, coming from the state of Texas, a gentleman that has spent a career in and around the livestock industry, but more importantly, a career in helping youth and young people grow in the agriculture industry. Mm -hmm. uh, a gentleman who is on an absolute tear the last three years, and if you remember, did not sh start his show pig operation that long ago when it comes to being considered a legend in this industry. Folks, welcome to the show. None other than Mr. Josh Brockman. All right. Well, um, 
I think we'll get started. Typically, uh, when we get guests on here, we kind of let them introduce themselves and like we talked about, just roll right into it. But I think we're going to do this episode a little differently. So your story is the episode, and we kind of want to dig into a lot of different things here. Um, but Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're real excited to kind of talk uh, to you and, and about your operation there. Uh, so to get started, just tell us a little bit about uh, your family, uh, where you're from, and your operation. All right. Well, yeah, thanks, guys, uh, again, for, for asking me on. Uh, I look forward to it and going to enjoy it for sure. Uh, my backstory is pretty simple, I guess. Uh, uh, I lived in Texas all my life. I grew up on a uh, – my dad's a corn farmer. My grandpa's a corn farmer. His dad was a corn farmer. Uh, they farm now they're down to about 4,000 acres now, but when I was a kid, we ran about 5,000 acres there and, and a variety of row crop stuff. Um, my grandpa had commercial hogs at one time, but by the time I came on the scene very much, uh, th- those were pretty much in the past. Um, but so I grew up uh, always in agriculture, uh, went to college there at Blinn uh, and Brenham, judge livestock there. Uh, and then went on to AM, did not judge there, uh, but uh, went two more years and finished out uh, there. Uh, in 2010, graduated from AM, taught ag in the panhandle of Texas, Spearman, Texas, from 2010 to 2015. Uh, 15 is uh, when Carrie and I got married and moved to Montgomery. And uh, I guess I've been here since 2015, um, as far as just a timeline overview. Uh, started the started what's now known as Brockman Farms uh, from that aspect in 2015, um, right here where we're still at. Uh, a lot of, uh, of the backstories for how I got into this is, is obviously just showing pigs as a kid. Uh, wasn't nearly as, as active and involved maybe on a, on a national aspect of my whole nine-year-old uh, to 20 year old or senior in college, senior high school uh, involvement as a lot, you know, showed mainly at my county, uh, some jackpots and that kind of deal. Um, never actually showed it at a Texas major till I was, uh, I think, a sophomore in high school. Um, uh, and I think just showed it maybe at one national show uh, at the expo there that right after I graduated from high school and, and that June right after I graduated in May. So, uh, you know, from a success standpoint, it got along well at, at, at that. that that level uh, as far as county fair and jackpot level and won one class at San Antonio and made the sale a couple of times, but um, the, the amount of success we've been able to drum up has certainly been a blessing and something that you kind of see kids light up that with some stuff that were your personal goals showing that maybe you never did get accomplished at that point. So that's something that's, that's always fun, uh, fun for me. Josh, you know, you, oh, sorry, not to, not to interrupt you, but you know, I'm thinking back to your, to your show career and, um, maybe, maybe some people have influenced in the state of Texas at that point in time, obviously, um, there, there's some pretty deep rooted guys down there, but I don't think a lot of our listening audience, maybe they do, and I'm ignorant to it, but they, you know, I don't know that they truly understand the competitive nature and just the, the challenge it is to, to find success in the Southwest. So where would, where would some of those pigs that you first uh, were showing and, and families that you helped or, uh, maybe worked with where would they've come from and then maybe what was your uh, tie to those people to get involved in the in the industry sure yeah and i was i had lots of uh 
lots of help. Stevie Horton was an ag teacher down here in Farmersville, helped me a bunch. Uh, he wasn't my direct ag teacher, he was actually an ag teacher up the road, but uh, it helped me quite a bit, and, and we did some stuff together. And uh, he helped gather a lot of my, a lot of my bears. A lot of those uh, uh, would have came like that class when at San Antonio came from Mike Clay, and uh, have learned tons and tons in all aspects of this deal from Mike over the years. Uh, and and, and you know, from the from the showing deal, the feeding deal, the getting them ready at the show, the mechanics around the farm. You know, I worked for Daniel Sly that, uh, in college. The, him and Kelton uh, on the stud now. And, uh, you know, a lot of the things we kind of do here at the farm day to day, uh, I do like Daniel basically taught me when I worked for him, uh, those three years, uh, that I worked for him while I was in college. So, um, you know, like I say that, that list can go, go on and on. Um, Joe Bynley comps, another ag teacher there in Perryton, I guess just moved that uh, when I lived in Spearman 20 miles from him, we did a lot of things together. Um, I learned a lot from that guy, um, uh, as well on the feed bucket side of stuff so i mean no different than than anybody um that's honest with herself anyways uh you my goal was to to see the guys that were winning and that were dominant and and do every, you know learn everything and still is for that matter everything i could from every one of them and whatever they would allow to teach me or are allowed to go and and uh you know, from an industry standpoint, I think that's that's part of what our what our job is is to is to help those next guys, and and it's a competitive nature and a very competitive industry. But um, I would say very there's very very few, if any, that you could find that are successful in this deal. That if you don't go ask them a question, they're not going to answer it uh, and try to help you. So uh, that's uh, that's a big part of, of how my deal went around. So and still yeah. does. Yeah. So you're going to talk about Carrie, uh, how you two met maybe and where she came into the picture. Yeah. So we've been married. Uh, we got married in 2015. Well, I was going to say a while ago on, on her deal is that I wasn't just the most successful as a showman. Uh, and there's probably lots of people listening that do know this and that don't know this, but you know, she won, uh, every Texas major steer show, uh, that we have. And then, uh, we won the Fort Worth Paris show, won Louisville, uh, on the pig side, she started showing pigs just because she ran out of steer shows that she could show at. Got to win, and you're done down here. So uh, a little different, uh, and a little different uh, background from that standpoint. Of, of it's you know, she can uh, she can relate to lots of stuff, but uh, from the from the cattle thing. And now Caden, you know, her and Kelton's son, uh, my stepson, Caden is showing cattle and Cameron's showing cattle and really liking it. So I think that's been. A, a blast for her to kind of you know jump back into that side and billy and jane her parents uh and, and kelvin obviously um to get in back into the steer deal some has been a blast for them on also hmm. yeah it's, having that as uh as maybe your your mom would be and you as the dad too really like hey uh here's all these banners and here's all these backdrop pictures <laughs> let's let's try oh, to get absolutely. that accomplished uh, yeah what kind of pressure is that put on you as a parent jeez <laughs> right no it's it, you know and it is what it is we all want to win and that's obviously something that we, that we all work together and try to accomplish and, and the goals are very set very very high um yeah. But, you know, it's, 
I think the word humble gets misused a lot, but it's it brings you back and, and something I'll talk about in a little bit um, of what the true priorities are. And, and sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But, uh, you know, it's fun to have those have those goals set out, you know, high enough and, and try to try to get them every time, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. So you talked about I, I, it's amazing that 2015 was only six years ago and that's kind of how you, when you guys got settled there in Montgomery and and get things going and uh, I know we've we've got a long uh, discussion to go into where you are today but what was the, uh, the the thought process and how did you gather your females there to get started uh, maybe where did some of those females come from and what was the the building process of, of Brockman Farms when you uh, started there in 2015. Sure. So yeah, and uh, I looked back this morning just to make sure I wasn't wrong. In the summer of 15, we had 10 litters. Um, and they actually, I think the, they were like August 1 to October 1st, which is about two months later, it seems like, than what we fair now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, most of those, so I, you know, I talked about the, the college deal and helping families through there and then and teaching. Uh, those original ones all basically came from, from Dan and Kelton or, or Swinhogan's uh, Rival Genetics um, because that's where the majority of the barras, you know, we fed 200 some odd barras a year uh, as an ag teacher. So um, most of those first sows were out of, you know, were gilts that I bought out of sows that, we'd fed out of, and, and you know, I'd kind of, between me and Joe Bonnie and Colby at that time, um, would feed tons and tons of pigs from those two or three places. And uh, so you kind of could see which sows, not necessarily were consistently making the, the elite ones, but you on top of that, you got to see which sows were making uh, consistently and which ones of their daughters were making the ones that as we were feeding them and being the end user, I guess, if you want to use that terminology, uh, the ones that, that were continually feeding, getting better, getting making a sale and and doing things the right way. So when I went into it from from buying gilts, um, the the way the gilts specifically looked phenotypically was definitely part of it, but that background of it um, had probably more to do with it than anything. And one of the uh, one of the first ones, uh, I guess, in fifteen at Houston that year when we were sitting there, we'd had. Uh, 10 sows that we were just about to breed or had just bred or a combination or 10 gilts, I guess. And, uh, the champion heavyweight division Barrett Houston that year in 15 and then the reserve metal, which went on to be the reserve grand. I'd had a mate gilt that I bought to both those barracks when they were little. Um, and primarily because of, you know, things I just talked about, not that, uh, they were good or bad or indifferent. And in fact, one of them was very, not, not real good. Um, but out of, of an incredible litter uh, and one of you know had one of the best baby pigs then up when I his division at Houston that year uh was one of the best baby pigs I'd ever seen and uh anyway so he had a little sister that wasn't, wasn't quite as shiny as, as he was or as the rest of the litter was and I was able to get her bought and he was that's going to be uh well, my intentions grandmother or great-grandmother mm-hmm. uh, unashamed great-grandmother and um uh, she's not here anymore but if she was i can assure you she'd probably still be the worst pig on the pig farm <laughs> um but I, and a lot of people laughed and, and not necessarily you know and i think that's the the biggest thing that's been advantageous for us and the way our business models laid out of being very hands-on um with a lot of of the, of the pigs is 
is our keep cold scenario. You know, you get to see not only what the final product of, of those barrels look like in the ring, um, but being as hands-on, kind of making the rounds, as, as lots and lots of guys do now, you get to see litter by litter uh, what their strengths and negatives are, not necessarily, you know, honestly, not just from what we can, we can make work. And, and that helps me uh, for mating decisions of, of what can, uh, what you can slide by with on pushing the envelope and, and the places that you need to back up just a little bit that won't work. Seeing those, seeing those barriers or the gilts all the way through um, is, is, is a big part of it because, you know, we're all, you know, feeds good enough, people are good enough feeders, showmen are good enough, um, families take good enough care of them and there's there's avenues that we can take to max every one of them out but seeing where where the train almost ran off the tracks and and knowing that's just as important i think so yeah it seems to me that's a you know when you you get to a certain level of selling a large volume and stuff like that it's it's tough to make make the rounds like you're talking about and, and trying to go see those things as many as you can at different points of their maturity I think that's something maybe a lot of people struggle with is, you know, what do you, you know, if you're not doing this thing full time or if you are doing it full time, but, you know, you got pigs in different states or different parts of the country and, you know, you can only see so much from a picture or a video. It's, it's tough to, to gauge where you're at, but if you can go see them in person, it does make a, make a huge difference. So, um, and from a maiden decision standpoint, man, I, I guess I hadn't necessarily thought of it as, um, you know, more so like, Hey, that, you know, that sow or, or that litter did not turn out, um, you know, at 230 pounds, the way I thought they'd look, you know, something like that. So that's, that's pretty interesting. No, yeah, I think uh, one of the hardest things and, and especially now, which I guess we've got a pretty good rep for not selling very many gilts, which I guess is how you go from 10 to 206 <laughs> years, but, uh, you know, it, it, the hardest decisions to make uh, to me are, are, are not necessarily the keep and call that that part's it's hard, but like the ones that need to go, need to go. Uh, the, the things we're getting into now of which ones to keep and sell and, and you want to put out a product that's going to work from a breeding stock standpoint uh, as well. And so like the, the basis of things that, that I've always kept in mind from the beginning is is we kept litters of guilt. Um and and of those litters are usually when we you know drag a little gilt out to perfect time or put a gilt on the power female cell. Uh, most of the time, they come out of, out of those litters uh, that that you think you know when you're selling to an audience that you think is probably going to turn something into a sow. But uh, and I think the good and the bad both work. I made the comment that my intentions great grandmother would probably be the worst animal on the farm, but his mother would probably arguably be the best animal on the farm and arguably be one of the best gilts phenotypically uh we've ever created um so you know you take you take the positives and the negatives i think the the biggest thing on that and it is the hardest thing of you know where you're at the point of of trying to manage numbers and quality is uh is you never know which which one of those gilts if it's going to be the the best looking one or, or the average looking one or the one that's not nearly as good quality wise as her sisters, which one's going to be the generator. Um, and hopefully in, in ideal times, you know, more than one of them will be, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is I've never went across and said that guilt individually is not good enough. I'm going to ship her. Usually when we keep and call my first call is on letters that the bears that we sold didn't 
own up to snuff of what we wanted to. So those guilts probably need to go to, um, regardless of what they look like. And then we step into, you know, uh, this one, this style's made, made these that work or not. But when we get into those litters of bears, then even if maybe the, every bear in that, in that litter was second, didn't necessarily hang a banner, uh, but we're that close to hanging a banner. Uh, most of those guilts, you know, if that litter of bears consistently was that quality, then those guilts are probably all going to stay. Uh, and we'll figure out on the next cut and the next time when, uh, you know, which ones of those can work and which ones won't. Hmm. Well, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I guess that's the quickest way to get from point A to point B is, uh, you know, if, if the Barris didn't work, well, that's what we're trying to get after here. So their, their sister's probably not going to get the job done. I, I think that's an interesting concept. Uh, and I want to, uh, kind of target this, uh, the Mai's great grandmother there, because, you know, you hear a lot, we've heard some stories on here a couple of times of, you know, Hey, that one was a $6, $600 lease skilled that ended up being so-and-so's mother. And, you know, she looks like crap out in the sow lot, but she's still one of the best sows here. So I want to pick on your, your mindset at the time where maybe this, this guilt that you purchase, which ends up being my great grandmother is just an okay pig and you end up breeding her and then you breed maybe the, the lineage back through there. What kind of thought did you have of like, okay, do I have to make it the most, you know, breeder to the most crazy out there board to line these things up or what kind of patience did you have to work through? I guess what I'm getting at is if one doesn't look like you think you want your program to go towards, how did you put your faith in that animal to know that one day she was going to make one like we're talking about? Sure. And I, I can answer that in a couple of different ways. So, you know, 178, Wendy was her name is, is the one that we're talking about. Uh, was in one of those situations where as little pigs, the entire litter was extremely good. And, and I made that reference a while ago that bear that won a division at Houston was at that point in my life, the best baby pig I'd ever seen. Um, so it made it easy to try if, you, if you're going to go into, you know, having sows um, and, and don't have, you know, the ability to step out there and, and buy a $2,500 or $5,000 or $10,000 guilt, whatever. Um, that litter was so good and so impressive to me that when I asked about the gilts, you know, we looked at a couple of gilts as well. And, uh, you know, is there any other gilts? Yeah, down here, there's a, there's another red belted one. Uh, she's red belted as well. And uh, would you sell her? Yes. And, and, you know, price, yeah, I'll take her. That's fine. And even though she was less than impressive, you know, you just, you kind of have that, that feeling now at the time, if I was to sit here and say, I thought that was going to be like this sow that I knew what was going to eventually happen. I mean, that, that no chance, but, uh, you know, another interesting aspect of that is that when I was still teaching, um, there was a bear that, that, that buddy of mine, Joe Bonnie had on feed for his daughter, uh, for San Angelo that I really, really liked and thought maybe he had a chance to win the show uh you know a couple weeks down the road and uh anyways he ends up being the reserve grand bear at angelo um but the week before uh daniel had sold some bread sows and on that bread sow sale was a, a sideshow bob blue sow um she have been a sideshow bob drop shot big screen big screen uh anyways her mother was this bear's mother and i thought you know that'd be be good to have I really like this pig i think he's got a chance to do well there'd be some marketability for her you know litter march litter uh, if this bear does do well, 
anyways, long story short, we bought the sale. She wasn't a, a gigantic investment. And this was when I was still teaching with some, uh, some, this was before Brogman farms. Um, this was when me and one of my families where I was teaching were partners on just a couple of sows. And anyway, so we bought this sow. That bear ends up being a reserve granted Angelo. We fared the sow. She had no hesitations. Uh, it was the only litter we had. And I mean, we didn't have anything bred. Uh, I notched him as eights because I thought one seemed silly. And uh, anyways, 828, Carrie builds a website for that little entity called BP Showpix at the time uh, and trade for a guilt. She was not the pick of the guilt of that litter. Uh, she was probably the second or third best one, honestly. But anyways, 828 ends up being uh, out of that bread sow purchase uh, ends up being now Cruel's grandmother. Um, so kind of the same deal. Uh, not that that sow was proven, disproven. She'd had a couple of litters. I really don't know what that sow has specifically, but because of, of another bear that I thought was good and, and, and had some marketability. Um, and, and there's more ties to that, that drop shot, big screen, big screen sow was a drop shot, big screen on drop shots, mother, I believe. Um, that me and uh, Brant Poe uh, helped him in college. Anyways, we kind of helped. Poe bought the gilts from Wagey. Uh, so I kind of had a tie to this deal for a long time back, not necessarily directly, but um, long story short, 828 comes to Montgomery. And her second letter gets bred to step one, which we can talk about in a minute, uh, makes 2232, which is Cruel's mother. Mm. So, and believe in me's mother, and here I am's mother. Enough yeah. said about that. Man, that uh the the whole the whole concept of uh you know the the I guess to back up towards the beginning of this conversation is you know the the ugly sister maybe knowing that there's other ones out there that are litter mates are very closely bred the same way um to know that you know there could be some generating power there. I mean, you just listed several instances there where that was the case and and it doesn't always happen that way, but sometimes those are cheaper or less risk involved uh, when you when you have those like that on the place. Uh, and sometimes at some point in their life, they do end up turning out uh, really well, uh, whether that be a breeding piece or uh, a piece of show stock or whatever. So very, uh, very cool concept that I just, it, it makes breeding livestock fun and exciting when you have an experience like that when it works because that really kind of opens up the doors for, for future ideas or investments, stuff like that too, instead of continuing to have bad experiences with not great looking livestock that are bred right. So it's pretty cool. No. And there's both sides of it. Like I said earlier, you know, <clears throat> there's both sides of that. There's been lots and lots of, of, of guilts out of very good letters um, that we held on to tried. They had pigs that, that looked just like them. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> Right. wasn't the best turnout yeah. and after that but it, it makes it difficult to not when you when you have something going maybe the way you want it from a saddle line um you know we could talk about boars and stuff too but uh it's it's it, that's what makes it fun because you never know when you might be getting rid of the one that could work and you never know when the one you're keeping might you know have three letters and you finally quit trying because it's just not going to work Corey, you're wearing a shirt right now that I wish people I could see. It says TMD on it. That stands for yes. Tarbell Marketing and Design. And if you don't have a logo designed by Tarbell Marketing and Design, if you don't have your marketing plan 
done by Tarbo Marketing Design, you're missing out. But if, if you've already have that stuff accomplished, you're going to need some gear. Go to choosetmd.com, get you a nice hat, get you a shirt, be all geared up, quality material. I like it. Yeah. Another thing that I like is Jace Tarbell and his genius yep. brain. You need to use Jace Tarbell, Tarbell Marketing and Design. Go to their website, book a consultation right now. Choosetmd.com. Yeah, I yeah. I do kind of want to dig into the boars, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you listened to last week's Breeding Ship and Show. I hope you didn't because you probably wouldn't be talking to me right now <laughs> for those that are listening. But uh, but no, it's 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 interesting. For reference, for reference Trevor Shrip, shipped cruel intentions. And just see, so everybody knows. that sounds like I should be a, uh, just in jail somewhere when, when you say something like that because it's it, it's just not right, but well, I'm pretty sure I ship best man. So <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't just sound right. Put that out there too. Uh, <laughs> but what's interesting is we kind of, we talked about that before we got on air and uh, you know, of course all three of those hogs are so inf- influential in our, in our industry, but um, you know, we've kind of been digging into the sow line, which is super fascinating and lining those things up and maybe ugly sister turns into uh, developing a diamond in the rough there. Uh, but let's turn to the boars a little bit. And we've talked a lot about this a lot with other, um, you know, boar stud guys, show pig guys and gals. And, um, you know, once that moment, or was there that moment when uh, I'll pick cruel, cruel intentions for an example, when, uh, was he one that was like, that one is special. He will be a boar and he will be something. Or was he one that you kind of had to see how he grew and then he was something special. What's the cruel story? So let's see. Cruel was born in January. Um, that would have been out of his mother's first litter. Um, and I guess right at the beginning of building speed stuff too. Uh, yeah, that, that's about so. Uh, so being a January, you know, the a lot of factors at that time and in, in our deal anyway, a lot of factors go out of play because you know good baby pigs in, in January at that point for me, it was, um, you know, I, I could sell the best one that I had in, in that whole crop, whatever, for let's just say a thousand bucks or, or hold on to them where if, you know, if he would have been a July, um, uh, it, it becomes a little more serious decision from a, from a business standpoint, because you gotta take the risk to hold on to one or, or, mm. you know, go ahead and, and, and hopefully get, get a decent price for him uh, for San Antonio Houston kind of deal. So, uh, from that standpoint, that, that was fairly simple. You know, Michael that, that works for us, he was asking me at lunch actually what cruel looked like on the nursery deck. And the only thing I could tell him, the same thing I'll tell you all, is I remember that I had no intentions ever of selling him. Like, uh, he was the only male on the letter. It was actually a short letter. There was four. Uh, um, one of them didn't make it out of the Farron house. So there was one boy and two girls. Um, and they were January's we were showing at San Antonio Houston. So I wasn't at the farm just a ton, but I remember that obviously I liked him and that there was never one point in time in my life. I can ever remember that, that I was going to sell him. Um, I remember Leatherman came to Houston and came by the farm, I guess to look at boars and maybe look at some baby pigs for the Midwest too. And he, he texted me or called me wanted to do and asked me if I would sell five dash one. And, and I just kind of laughed it off and said, no, he, you know, he's not for sale. Don't want to sell him. You know, if there's something else you're interested in, that's fine. But that one's, that one's going to stay here. 
uh, which I mean, he was on the line for a bear, best I remember, but, um, and then, you know, getting to chips and, and he would have been, you know, getting to be pretty decent size by the time we started selling Dallas pigs in May uh, that year in April. And, and I can remember by the time he got to bear size and, and we would show him the guys that were coming to look at little pigs um, because, and uh, at that point, there was no doubt in my mind to that, that moment in time, he was the very best pig we'd raised. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> not saying that he was the most of one thing or another, but just the, the way that his, that his skeleton worked and the way that his rear leg worked and then the presence and, and just things that, that he's become known for now, uh, <clears throat> that was just him all the way through. And, uh, you know, my wife loved him because he had a great attitude and, <laughs> and, and all the things, but, you know, just the pig that never really gave you a reason not to like him um, kind of deal. Uh, I mean, well, that's, other than uh, go ahead. No, I I hate to cut you off. Um, it's the the picture that he has, and this is what we talked about in our breed him, ship him, show him last week. Is to be honest with you, he looks like just an old mature boar with an incredible skeleton. He may be a little dry bodied or whatever. You can you can pick on him or whatever, but at that baby pig size, skeleton is so important anyway. And when you have faith in one's pedigree like that at Barra size and everything just kind of comes together. I mean, I, I honestly appreciate that more in some aspects instead of the fluffy, chunky fed on show bore in some instances where this thing is just a naturally good hog. Um, so that that's always interesting to hear what they look like at home and, you know, before the world got their eyeballs on them. Sure. No, and you know, he he was, you know, the first the first I want to say it was in the fall of fifteen, it might have been the fall of sixteen. I'd have to look back at the calendar. But uh, you know, as we were getting going on the boar side of stuff, is uh I bought a, a little best man boar. I won't say from who, but uh and, and that's not not the not the deal, but uh I bought him as a little pig. I thought he was extremely good. Um he was the best man side show Bob and uh, I paid $5,000 for him. And, and you know, that, that's, that's much money for anybody. And uh, especially for a broke just out of ag teaching, trying to get started raising show pigs person. But anyways, uh, we paid five grand for him as a little pig and he grew up to be not, not that great. And I never bred a side to him. I hold him off and I sold him for $16. Uh, and I, that still to this day is one of the very best lessons I've ever learned. <laughs> Not, not that I regretted buying the pig, but that when it, and it's not going to work, just be done with it and, and don't try to sit there and, and hammer it down and make it work. And we maybe should have looking back, giving that one just a little bit of a chance, but I uh, just kind of made my mind up that we were going to, instead of being hard headed and, and try to try to make it work on something I didn't, didn't have, um, we got rid of it. But the, the other first little pig purchase uh, was step one, which we bought with Lackey. And, um, I bought step one at the fall classic, not Duncan, Oklahoma fall classic, but Texas jackpot fall classic. And, uh, he was third in class, uh, the first day. And anyways, I'll never forget in all my life. We were sitting at the other end of the ring off to the side and this little skin pig comes out with a stout head and the most enormous front and back leg, all four legs that I'd ever laid eyes on it as a 150 pounder or whatever he weighed. Um, and, and his skeleton again was, was just perfect. 
and uh, he was skinny and didn't have very much muscle and ended up third and should have been third maybe fourth that day however um but it took a little process to, to get him purchased that day but lackey uh man lackey bought him together and uh you know went to using him and, and that board did a, did a very good job to make things heavy structured and neat looking uh, and then obviously building speed was a was a product of him and a cruel product out of building speed so i mean it was a process that we've been working to the step one deal wasn't quite loose enough hind-legged building speed was a correction of that it was still the same stoutness and then building speed on 2232 is where all the wow factor got got tied into the skeleton that we try to make um so uh, it was kind of a kind of a process to take a step back if we want to talk about the size uh i'd made the comment earlier that we were sitting at houston and had a mate yield to the champion heavy that we've already talked about and the other mate was a mate to the reserve what ended up being the reserve grand um which uh that sow would have bred to full strut which made building speeds mother which then yeah, goes to cruel so uh which that sow was from swan august genetics. So was there was there any uh the name did that come from just you were intending to build this boar initially and that's where cruel intentions comes from or is there a story with the name? Uh so Daniel slide that I talked about that I worked for in college had, uh which for different reasons than what I liked it, but that was where like the actual just name idea uh like I say his reasons for liking the name and my reasons for liking the name were different but i just thought it always sounded, sounded very neat and very cool mm. uh and i always kind of saved it for a pig that that i thought you know was and just say if, if if that's your board name that you you know want to hold on to until the right one comes along um that's why i come along um since then you know i lead a a bible study with a handful of guys around the uh Oh, most of them are in Texas. There's a few Leathermans in Arkansas, some others from us in other states. But, um, and one of my feeders that's on there, after we put out the board catalog this time, put together a poem. And I was going to read it off, but I don't have it because I forgot. Um, but anyways, it had all the boars' names of this last, this last spring crop. So like Rescue Story, um, Overcomer, Saved by Grace. Uh, you can throw in believe in me here i am i can't remember he included it like almost all of them <laughs> and did it uh tied to and he alluded it to, to the bible study and how much it was helping in his life and you know how much he was enjoying it and it was really really neat anyways he sent it into the group message of our bible study and um after you know everybody kind of made their comments uh, another guy got on there and he said and may we all not have cruel intentions <laughs> you know, so, you know, we're just saying like we need to be an overcomer, uh, you know, and going through. And my response back to that was that's God's way of showing me because I've been a true regenerated born again believer for oh, a little over a year now. And that was God's way of, of showing me. And I truly believe this. Uh, if you look at our born names now versus that, uh, you know, it, I wrote down what scripture i was going to comment there but uh you know we're a new creature in christ uh and so i, I truly think that the boar names represent that shift so where i thought i was doing something cool and, and naming this deal the good lord showed me that it was quite a bit bigger plan um, wow from that so that is that is incredible uh you, you off we oftentimes talk about how livestock get named but I, i'm not so sure that that 
that one didn't come full circle whether you knew it was or not. So that's 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 really neat. I I I kind of wondered too. Um, how long did you have that boar name saved? Because when we talked about your your beginnings in the deal where you had ten sows and now two hundred, it's it's crazy to me to think that you know when you start you know start off with ten sows, did you ever think about having boars on stud or, or having 10, 12, 15, 20 boars that you had access to that um, maybe not other people did and stuff like that? So. It's all uh, kind of interesting, and, and again, I, I thought uh, the name of the boar was was neat. And when you tell that story, it, it makes it uh, makes the story even neater. Yeah, you know the, the business model on the boar side is never and still isn't isn't much different than what it was at the beginning. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> when we bought step one, and when we kept building speed and. Uh, we had motivation on the white side from Swin Hoggins there at the beginning too. They had a great run. You know, the the idea of having them was simply for us to use. And we were, I mean, we've never had a board that we didn't offer semen on and probably never will. It's, that's not a, a business avenue that, that I think we'll ever entertain here. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it or right with it or however. I just, I don't think that, and, and it might, but as of now, I don't foresee that coming. Um, but we, Always, if there's a boar here, um, it's likely because we're wanting to use him on our sows. And and that's why, you know, um, if there's a boar here that I want to use, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to breed our sows first. And then, and then I'm going to sell semen. And, and that, that business model is, has worked really, really well uh, on our end. And I think that's, that's what's been able to make us keep the, keep the right ones and not keep numbers just to have numbers. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a fun, fun ride, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't say at the beginning that we sat down and said, in five years, I want to have 200,000, 20 boars and this and that, um, when we sat down, I, uh, at the beginning, you know, it was just going to be a, let, let's build as it builds uh, and make them better as we can. And when we get to whatever number, we get to whatever number, um, up until I guess maybe last year and we still trade some too, but, um, Last fall, I guess, is really the first time I haven't had to probably um, just to kind of fulfill our customers, uh, you know, uh, haven't bought a significant number from, from other breeders just because, you know, at the beginning, uh, we had our sales and, and bought plenty. And uh, just as, as we continue to, to increase our numbers and quality uh, to where those would, would fit, uh, that was kind of how the transition continued every year, it seems like we could uh we could feed a little more of our own and uh and not have to to buy as many and, and i'm very thankful still for for all the guys that that let our crew and and stuff feed uh feed other bears now it's kind of evolved to a, to a semen customer thing on those trading picks a little bit um and obviously with 200 sales there's not too many that, that that we have to buy anymore but um that's kind of how that fell evolved. So I guess to say it, it, it was a, it was a grow as needed. You know, I, I've always been a believer that every business model is different, but that ours has always been, I try not to breed a sow that I don't know. I can sell the pigs, like have the pigs sold. Um, and, and obviously that's never a guarantee, but somewhat in my mind, um, you know, that's why we have 150 litters in the summer and 50 litters in the winter, because that's just the difference in our market size. So, why do you go to a show hauling around your 
expensive Canon camera that you bought at your local Best Buy, when instead you could just petition to have these shows that you attend higher legacy lifecycle imaging because you know darn good and well, unless you've had any sort of training, that getting high-quality images captured incredible moments when you should be there celebrating in person or enjoying the moment without the camera in your hand. That is why Legacy Livestock Imaging is so good at helping tell stories and capture moments at all livestock events, all species, all over the country. Folks, go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Learn more about what they can do for you, for your shows, and for our livestock industry. Let's get back to the show. Cool. I was I was thinking too um, during that is, you know, when you've got that kind of a growth, it's almost necessary to have enough boars around. Uh, maybe save you some money in semen at the end of the day. Um, but when you when you are breeding, I mean, do you try to cover most every cell you have to boars you have, or do you do you intentionally make mating decisions outside of boars that you own? Um, it just depends, you know, this time, this fall, or I guess the ones that we're faring right now this summer, is probably the fewest outside boards that we've used um, ever. Um, but And that's not necessarily because of one thing or another. I think we just finally had enough of the, the alternatives and the outlets within our own program um, that we could cover cover all the sows. Um, you know, I... When uh, when we make believe in me and, and here I am keeping the faith, uh, those, those are skull and bones, which is at Kelton's or now at Platt's, but was at Kelton's at the time that we bred Cruel's mother too. And honestly, the, the way I've typically tried to, to use outside boars is uh, when we use outside boars, it's usually going in sounds like that, like Cruel's mm-hmm. mother, uh, like Maya's mother, uh, and, and to, to at least generate us a new set of... Uh, new set of females but most of the time it's the target to try to make another outcross boar that still has those sows that we want to keep pushing through um you know like right now uh, the kingpin deal seemed to work pretty well on our stuff and then we got an incredible set of daughters out of him um from two springs ago that are fair on this time uh and, and made no discussion in the process that that's an outcross boar that still ties right back to the same sows so that's probably how we utilize outcross stuff as much as anything. And, you know, I've always thought, and it's, it's tough for any of us to do in the livestock industry, but we've all got just, you know, you set pride aside and, and you set everything aside and you go find the ones, if you don't have the ones you need to, to breed on, you go find the ones that you need and you use them regardless of who's got them, who raised them, who owns them, what they are. Uh, if they're the ones you need to go to, then, and that's what you've got to do uh, to continue to breathe progressive. But, um, you know, on the flip side of that, I think it's extremely important to build a, to build a strong program, to, to stay confident in, in what you believe in. And, you know, when we were breeding the farm to build and speed, I'm not saying that his pigs were the greatest pigs on the planet. We got along very well. He has a very nice resume, but there was probably uh, better boars that we could have bred some of those sows to, but we were able to, to, make a consistency and build somewhat of a genetic line um, there that, that now we're still building off of. And, and, you know, it was, was kind of like, I guess I said on the, on the side, the other, you know, 
not every sow can make a boar, um, but if it's a sow that you have confidence is going to take you the direction you need to, she might make a daughter that could make a boar. Yeah. And so, you know, anybody that wants to guess that they're and say, I guess that they can anticipate exactly what any of those sows can do smarter than me. Um, but I do think that, uh, <laughs> I do think that by the, the keeping by letters and, and we breed lots of the times litter mate gilts get bred the same way. Um, because by that I can, uh, I can find out what, what those sows can do because they're all, if they're all out of the same board, I know which of that litter where their differences fall. Um, so we've learned a lot from that, but you know, at the end of the day, you can, I think that there's obviously in the crossbred deal genetics across the board that are, that are more than elite enough. It's finding the ones that work and, and just staying true to what you believe in to make it work. That makes total sense. The, uh, conversation around surrounding you know those those decisions and how they're made and why they're made isn't necessarily the same path to get there but it seems like at the end of the day that consensus amongst breeders that have found success seems to be pretty uniform um whether they take a similar path as or, or not is um up for discussion but definitely one that um you know i think creates what what this industry when it when it comes to breeding livestock because i think we're all aware that this industry is about raising young people but uh when it comes to breeding livestock the the, the epitome of creating quality and consistency is something that everybody wants to do but there's different ways to get there and 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 i think your guys's approach and your business plan a model is it makes total sense and um maybe not a unique one but certainly one that I don't know a lot of people follow uh, through with, especially uh, on kind of how you guys built your sow herd, retaining every female back and that sort of thing. So we talked a lot about uh, what it took to get to this point for Brockman Farms, but we're, what's next? What's the, what's the big move? What's the, uh, what's the next, I guess, step for Brockman Farms? That's a real good question. Uh, you know, Honestly, I don't, you know, we're about to, to capacity around here and most of all the buildings on the farm I've built um, myself and I'm tired of running the weld machine doing it. <laughs> and uh, so I told myself for the last two years, we weren't going to build any more buildings and I'm going to kind of hold myself to it this time. But so size wise, you know, we're probably going to start releasing a few more gilts than, than we have uh, in the past from, from a selling standpoint. But uh, you know, I mentioned earlier on the board name deal, our turning point and, uh, or my turning point uh, as far as following Christ. And, and, you know, it's an easy thing, I think, for, for people to, include myself, um, to say that, that I'm going to make the Lord first and surrender to him and, and put him in front of my business and then let him let him grow it the way he wants to. I, I think the, the genuine commitment for any of us to do that versus the easy way of saying we're doing that and, and actually we'll say we're going to put him first and then and then hope he goes with us as we go the ways we want to um, versus versus putting him first and letting him truly lead uh, is is where you know where we try to continually do and have the last uh, the last uh, last couple of years so. Um, and in the last year specifically. So, uh, you know, we built that new facility that we're having some sales in. I got to start having more camps than we have had in the past. Uh, our plan is going to incorporate a Bible study into that. 
Um, and, and as far as the the shopping market and the industry of that, I don't I don't foresee things changing um, at right now of, of any way the way we do our business <laughs> currently. Um, you know, we uh, make our living selling show pigs, selling bears for any any and all and uh, levels, and uh, and the board deal's been great, and we're I mean, very very blessed for sure. But we're just gonna kind of hang on and see where the Lord takes us. But uh, most importantly, I think you made the comment that we're in an industry that that raises livestock but raises young people, and and the most important thing anybody can take away from what I've said today, uh, including myself, is that that. You know, this life is temporal uh, and we all are going to spend an eternity in one or two places, heaven or hell. And uh, Jesus Christ, if, if we know him and he knows us, is the only deciding factor of that. So um, that should be all of our goals in this industry and in every industry is is to serve him. And if he's going to have me serve him, raising show pigs uh, and, and bringing people to Christ in that realm, then, then that's where I'll be. And the day he tells me not to, it's, it'll be a... Uh, following process so uh kind of where i'm at wow awesome that's the uh the show pig camps and that's something I, I told trevor when he told me um that he got a hold of you um i was like oh i would love to talk about their show pig camps and how they built that but uh i think maybe the answer is yet to be determined on the real reason you guys built that and uh, incorporating the bible study into it and um you know making that a focus and a part of your show pig camps uh, I, I think that's going to be the the um, the biggest reason uh, you're probably going to find why why you do what you do there with that. So that that's exciting to hear. And uh, are you hosting those show big camps just in the state of Texas, or do you try to venture out? Well, so prior we actually haven't had one well, last year. Obviously, it was weird. But um, prior to last year, they primarily all been in Texas. Uh, mainly just from a time constraint standpoint um but we did them at different fairgrounds kind of across the state the the future plan we built this facility like i say where we also have our sales at at the, at the back it's on a different part of the farm but um that we plan on having all of them at uh just and that way we can have our, our goal is to try to have one a month or maybe multiples a month but obviously you know certain months february and march won't won't fly much for us but uh still kind of nailing down the schedule and outline of how that's gonna gonna work but you know the ones we've done in the past have been really good just uh and like i said change the change the outline the focus just a, just a little and, and and the plan is to have them here for now i'm not saying that we wouldn't wouldn't entertain a you know a different location uh, or different state just time time situations fitting and stuff yeah. sure yep this is Jackson Johnson with Formula Champions and Kalmbach Feeds. We trust Formula Champions to get us into the winner circle 365 days a year. Not only do we use the Smooth Design base feed line like 16, 17, and 18, but we also use products like Hard Drive and Afterburn to maximize back shape and a fresh, clean look from the side. If you want to, look me up so that I can give you a more personal evaluation of your show pig and help you maximize your project for the rest of the summer be sure to look those guys up at formulaofchampions.com cool well uh we have a segment at the end called drop the mic i have a feeling you may have already dropped it once but i uh i want to entertain the the idea of maybe if there's anything else you'd like our listeners uh to hear or to know about 
um, uh, we do uh, have the segment uh, that we just kind of step back and let our guests chat about whatever may be weighing on them or uh, maybe a pet peeve, whatever it may be. So uh, if, if you've got another one, uh, feel free to drop the mic. Sure. No, I mean, yeah, obviously that's, that's my main one and, and how I'd be, I'd be crazy if I didn't at this point, I guess is as good as any to, to thank uh, for our deal here, you know, thank my wife uh, for what she does here. Uh, Justin, uh, Justin and Kurt that, uh, uh, two guys said that run the farm, Justin Miller and Kurt in the Haven that we've been so, so blessed to have. Uh, Michael Resendez is our college intern, and and we've got some other ones too. But but Justin and Kurt make this place uh, go round and round. And sometimes don't get the the glory and the recognition that they full well deserve. So I want to give them a shout out, uh, most definitely. Uh, all those guys, they uh, anybody that has <coughs> has an agriculture adventure, they know how important uh, those guys are, and they they're really what makes it makes it successful. So. Um, you know, just to, to hit back on, on what I said a while ago, life's temporal and uh, that the world that we live in today is, is extremely, extremely nuts and very crazy. And it's very hard to be grounded and find truth. And the only true truth is in the Bible. And, uh, you know, John three thirty six says that if we have Jesus, we're saved. And if, if not, we'll be condemned. And uh, eternity is a very, very long time to be to not get that right. So I would uh, just encourage everybody to, to keep that as their focus. And if you don't know Christ, uh, Jesus, our Lord, as your Savior, then, then call me. Call uh, call somebody that, that does, and we'd love to tell you about him. So. Awesome. Thank you guys very, very much for having me. You bet. Well, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, kind of letting us dig into your operation and your thoughts and uh, are very, very uh, valuable. Uh, so we appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to putting this one out there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Boy, I'm glad that worked out. That was a huge one on our list. Uh, and after last week's Freedom Ship and Show, I felt the need to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a big one for us uh, to have Brockman on on the episode. Um, you know, I was glad that you. You got him on. He was always on our list, but the timing worked out good enough for us. Um, hopefully, for Trevor to uh, get get in touch with Josh before he actually listened to the episode yeah. last week. Yeah, gave him a little bit of a warning because the words like, "ship cruel intentions" came out of my mouth. Yeah. Now, like, let's be honest. Josh is a guy that knows the game. Like, it's fun and games. Like, I think all, all breeders get it. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. But. I think, uh, oh boy, these breed them, ship them, show are getting to the point where it's like, man, what, what, what do you mean ship them? That's, that's not, well, yeah, that's, no doubt. But anyway, to the point of the episode, uh, I love his message. Um, I really enjoyed watching him sort the show down there in Louisville, um, kind of had the similar message. And, uh, I love the way that he talked about, shipping litters that didn't work instead of individuals um yeah we we could have had a lot more time discussing his thought processes behind how he's made himself in, yeah. in brockman farms what it is today yeah. i mean there was there's a lot more to dive into there but you, you kind of saw the tip of the iceberg it's it's right. impressive and we we really dug into the pedigrees which is the interesting uh, to me it, it's really interesting and all that good stuff but um and I'm telling you, I'm seeing a common theme with some of these guests that's 
you got to have faith in the females, even if they are a little ugly. They 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 can eventually make something and put you on the map. So yeah. very thankful for Brockman uh, and his group there. Uh, 2015, six years ago. Now look. Now look. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is growing at a rapid pace. Well, the other thing that I appreciated more than anything, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, and I have fallen on my face when it comes to holding myself accountable uh, for doing this, but um, you heard Josh's just true love and testimony for uh, the reason that he gets out of bed now every single day, and and that is to serve uh, serve God and and just show love and and appreciation for that. It was kind of cool that he he told a little. He mentioned a couple of names, one mm-hmm. in particular that was uh, on a past episode that is involved with a, a Bible study group that Josh uh, is a part of. But going along those lines, I'd just like to share something with you folks as you're listening. So I think a lot of times when we are in this industry, we can get caught up uh, living very fast pace. Um, and at times as we work to become competitive, it's always important to remember how you get there is a reflection of your character mm-hmm. and of your person. So Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So if you are living and uh, in, in working in ways to um, improve, pretty much to me, that is, um, you know, that verse is saying perception is reality. Yep. And so how you live your life reflects who you are as a person, uh, how you raise livestock reflects how you are uh as an individual this business is very very um it's very very easy to tell one's moral compass when when competition is involved right and so uh that to me i thought was kind of a kind of a neat verse to share and uh hope you all keep that in mind as you uh go about hustling and grinding your way to the top of this industry Mm -hmm. love it good stuff yeah we need to i need to make sure we put keep that on the outline. I like it. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm still shipping merch out. Uh, Stocktalk-podcast.com. I thought you said you were still shipping Cruel Intentions. Uh, no, I <laughs> I hate to even have said that. I'm probably never going to live that down. Uh, anyway, uh, make sure that you give us a call on a hotline. I'm sure you've saved that number in your phone by now. Uh, a lot of good things coming your way via Stock Talk Podcast. Thanks again for sticking with us. Catch you next week.